can count down. Yeah. All right. I hit record. Three second. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. Three, two, one. This is hey. live. Hey. Oh, this is weird. It Welcome like to the fake magic podcast with uh, Matt and Jordan. Yeah. We decided we're going to use our, our real first names. Yeah. I'm not sure about my last name yet. Probably as I get more comfortable. Uh, um. Yeah, that's. I, I suppose that's how I feel too. I'm like just a little jittery getting this started, but it feels so good. Oh yeah. I was talking to a friend of mine today about what I think magic is and what magic isn't, which doesn't inherently make it true. It's just my perception of right. it. Right. And uh, it just got my creative juices flowing. I had let dr- I, I told you on the way here that I drank my body weight and coffee today, so I was talking to him like a frantic conspiracy theorist. I was like, and it's all connected, man. And, and yeah. like, you just have to get these last little pieces and everything just makes sense. And it's just funny when you talk about it right. like that. Uh, I suppose when we first started talking about doing this, the main thing that I wanted to explore was how I perceive reality and how fluid that is. Oh, for sure. Constantly yeah. changing. It changes all the time with new information. I um, go ahead to expand. Me. No, it's just the more you learn about it, the more, I don't know, ingredients that you discover. Yeah. It's like expanding it. Yeah. But it's like all roads lead to Rome with it for me. Even the most simple things yeah. that are true, I inherently find connected. Uh, I, I was even thinking today when I first started exploring what was reality uh, cause I was raised, I mean, traditionally in a Catholic household for the most part as a child. And there's a lot of habitual routines and patterns and ceremonies in that, that are performed collectively and right. they're not even negotiated. They don't feel weird when you're culturally in it, at least for me. And right. you just do it, you know? And w- by that, I mean like the Catholic church service itself is a giant ritual, like a participatory transmutation of physical edifications wine and bread turned into what they believe is the literal body and blood of jesus christ so there's transmutation occurring physically in front of you right and then you consume it so there's also alchemy yeah and i grew up i didn't understand what this was as a kid and i remember my old man who wasn't catholic thought it was the weirdest shit and he would right. like always like poke holes well, it's in weird it. uh when you're mormon because yeah. he was mormon i was raised mormon right uh me jordan um and like for us it was absolutely just symbolic like we weren't trying to take on that mindset of literally eating the flesh and blood. Right. I think the Catholics are the only ones that still yeah. do that. Well, and that's the OG interpretation of it. Right. It's. I can't help but wonder, though, is it like at what point in time did it matter whether or not it's literal? Because that's right. The thing, the thing with like yeah. the Mormons is like, and, and I was Mormon myself at one point in time, and, and we're speaking about the sacrament ceremony where you're consuming water or wine and then some sort of bread. And this occurs, of course, in like a lot of Western tradition, uh, especially in Christianity. Uh, but the actual like 
if it matters whether or not it's symbolic or real because it doesn't right. matter. It, well, it's as long symbolic as the, regardless. Yeah, if the effect is the same, then it literally doesn't fucking matter. I, exactly. Uh, and that's the whole thing about... That's why I subscribe to the chaos magic sort of framework of thinking. I don't even think you can call it like it a magical tradition in a way you can. Right. Um, and we can get into that later. One but. thing I do want to say just for people that are listening, uh, there's a lot of terminology and I'm going to make sure I try to circle the wagons whenever we're discussing this. Uh, but I just want to start by saying for me personally, when I think of chaos magic, I think of it as spiritual anarchy. Yeah. You basically, yeah. you being me, I have used chaos magic as a way to extrapolate data from multiple spiritual idioms and take yeah. what I like and turn it into a belief system. And that's why I think it's kind of a framework more than like an actual tradition. Totally. It's like a coding framework or something. Totally. Because uh, there's part. part oh, sorry. I was going to say, just for those who aren't familiar, chaos magic, just really at its super basic level, is using belief as a tool. So you can use prayer, meditation, or create a sigil. We'll get into that eventually. There, you um, can, and that's like. Or like traditional religious beliefs in essentially any tradition. You can write uh, a poem, you can sing a song, you can call your friend on the phone yeah. and that in and of itself inherently is a ceremony. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that really opened my eyes to the perception of magic is, and I suppose where I was discussing the idea of the name of fake magic is, uh, I don't necessarily believe any of this. Right. And I was thinking about <laughs> that. Um, it's, well, I was thinking it's all bullshit, but it's also all like the absolute truth. Exactly. It's so weird. It exists in the like it, it's such it, fucking bullshit. Like these crystals and like the salt lamps. Totally. I feel like a bona fide but they're sucker. Real exactly. Because of the effect that they have, like either on consciously or subconsciously. If you believe they help you, exactly. then you exactly operate more fluidly in the world in a way that is more conducive to your goals and your. Uh, desires all I that don't jazz. inherently believe that holding a piece of aquamarine in my hands opens up my pineal gland however every time I hold a piece of aquamarine I feel my pineal gland opening yeah. now this is where I have gained the most and by say feel I mean I perceive and uh, throughout all spiritual history the pineal gland has been used in some sort of metaphor or explanation as like the third eye or even in christianity the symbolic symbolism of the pine cone right and there and, and that's the biggest one yeah and that's and, but that's over, that's across multiple cultures for sure it? like across in continents the vatican there's pine cone symbols yeah. all over there's like in the street signs and on the like in, in headstones yeah. it's so peculiar because it's like not a thing that you correlate with the catholic church right? right like well and i think it's something that they were more aware of at one point and i think at the higher levels and this gets more conspiratorial I, I think it. that at the higher levels, they un they truly understand the symbolism and what it means. Right. But it's just something just through, you know, centuries and millennia of sort of whitewashing and homogenizing everything. They strip away those, like, bigger, truer truths. Right. And they hide them away for, like, their elite or their elect. Or or they say don't cast pearls before swine, which I think is kind of bullshit. Because well, uh, I believe in, like, the 
total openness of information uh, for people. But Right. I agree with that. I think the other thing, when I think of the West and I think of Christianity, for me personally, and I don't, this isn't necessarily right. This is how I feel on the 4th of January, 2021. So this could change. Oh, yeah. But right here, my perception of Christianity is that it's like a hyper diluted belief system that has been domesticated to adhere to the West. So it's like not the other way around. A lot of people like you'll have a lot of pearl clutching Christians who like will use the like adage of like, my God is bigger than your doubt or things like this, especially when they're talking about like uh, the government. They will say things inherently like, oh, the government is just lucky and doesn't understand the will of God or like I put Jesus before I put this, you know, and it's like that's like the hierarchical order of the West is like Jesus is number one. Number two is old glory. And then number three is the 1950s. It's like in that order, you're supposed to like adhere to that. Oh, and number four is incessantly saying that the United States won world war two single handedly. That's like, that is something that like Western, uh, I don't want to say heteronormative folk, but like really like nationalistic Americans love. And I I don't think it's a coincidence. It happens in that order. Right. I mean, it's great propaganda and it's great. It's great uh, whitewashing of the truth, you know, because all of those public school textbooks are written to basically highlight the American victories in World War Two. And they swooped in to save everyone when really it was Britain, but mostly Russia, Russia. (laughs) mostly Russia. Yeah. And and my I mean, American academic textbooks say that the United States won the Vietnam war. Right. And, uh, so it's like, I mean, in and of itself, it's just so ironic. And I think again, coming back to like the idea of spirituality, my world in, in one at one aspect came crashing down when I realized that I had been lied to in school, at least at some level, I'm not saying everything they said to me was shit, but there was a lot of things that weren't necessarily true, especially when they were explaining the catalog of human history. Yeah, well, I, it's just, it, it sucks when you you think you know about, like, these wars or, like, you know, Vietnam or Guam or Bay of Pigs or whatever. Or but, the Iraq War. Yeah, but you discover it yourself on, like, Reddit or YouTube what actually happened. Like, the first time you discover it wasn't how it it was told to you just it's just like a big bummer well it's like little chips in the belief system <laughs> that create the west and that's i think that that's really the convergence that we're at as a society and right like for people that are listening if you are even like a little bit into astrology or you know somebody that won't stop talking about it so vicariously you get like their secondhand astrology smoke um first of all i'm sorry mm, um but yeah good, right man. it feels just kidding yeah <laughs> <laughs> um there's a lot of people that are speculating there's a lot of individuals that are so sure 
Uh, I'm going right. to paint them into the speculations as well that we are in an age of Aquarius because we've done this dance before where we were so sure that we were in the age of Aquarius. We were so sure we wrote yeah. songs about it that became popular. Yeah. Uh, but inherently, the reason that I bring this up is because in an Aquarian age, which is like an age of air, an age of data that is pushed into the uh, a new plane of consciousness. It's no longer grounded into the earth. So before an age of Aquarius, we were in this headspace where everything had a root source that was tangible that you could hold on to. Like the truth yeah. to a lot of people before was like, we believe these truths to yeah. be self-evident is something that's like taught to us. Like when we're talking about like uh, Western colonialism and now truth is an abstract target yeah. that is fluid. Well, it's like alternative facts. Right. Um, I think with the, you know, Trump and the alt-right. Right. I think one of the things uh, that people don't want to talk about, and by people I mean just the general consensus that Donald Trump did that was really good for this country was I at oh god I going in like hot. when I say yeah when no, I say that good. it like I could feel people like tense up they're like you did not but uh <laughs> Donald Trump made me skeptical of everything yeah that's, everything that's a good thing and um you know and I even have friends who are like if one thing comes out of this I just hope people wake up okay you know, so I think that that is like part of the Aquarian yeah, age oh, it's yeah, like people for sure. and like. Like they it's a call things, to arms kind of thing. Yeah, but it's like a call to arms to not be so susceptible to bullshit. Yeah. And like, I say that and we're like, and here's some more information about occultism. Yeah. You know, and it's like. Which is all bullshit, but yeah. also true. Yeah. Very, <laughs> very, very true. And uh, for three installments of twenty nine ninety nine, no, I'm kidding. Uh, the thing I do appreciate, though, to come back about the idea with occultism is the way that I was raised with occultism was that like it like devil worship or anything that oh, wasn't yeah. Christianity was evil and evil to me was like a linear thing yeah, that it went was black against and white. good. Yeah. It was like, um, there was good and there was evil and yeah. anything that wasn't Christianity was evil to some sense. Like my, my family tried to be right. very tolerant of other things, of course, and I'm not like condemning them, but like Satanism was not considered by any stretch oh, of the imagination, no. you know? And oh no. Well, and that's very talented like palpable to them, like the fear of Satan, which in and of itself um, is giving dominion. Oh yeah. For like sure. I I've when like in reality, Satanism is like super silly. Yeah. And, like all about like the self. Right. But right. I, it's the self worship. And I think that that's inherently where this concept right. of evil comes from in like a real abstract is like yeah. cr Christianity condemns like the idea of like, the devil because the devil encourages you to explore yourself yeah, and like in a way that doesn't involve the church. Yeah. And more importantly for me, at least doesn't involve the West. Right. So it's like, I don't, and when I'm saying the West, I'm not saying, I want to be like really clear. I'm talking about any Neo imperialism or even imperialism that has occurred from the root source of the Anglo-Saxon conquering of the world over the last thousand years right that's what i'm talking right. i would right. okay over the last 2050 60 years give or takes really since the formation of the christian or the catholic church and right. everything that we've occurred since i'm saying i can explore my consciousness without needing those social constructs necessarily yeah. now i said something just a minute ago before we went live that i like Again, there's things in the West that I'm a sucker for, you know, oh, like fast sure. food. I'm like addicted oh, to God. it. It's so bad. Yeah. I know it's, like it's not hip to like say you like McDonald's, but it's like so fucking 
fucking good. Yeah, I know. It's I like mean, it's genetically it's and scientifically pleasure. designed to be good. Like it's I, like the masturbation of eating, where 100%. it's like supposed to be evil, but you love it anyway. I've made like, the correlation <laughs> before that like pop music in a lot of senses is like a form of fast food media consumption. Yeah, and like I I don't even try to like say that as like a bad word or a four letter word. Right. I'm just saying like yeah, like you can enjoy it. Yeah, there's a lot nothing of pop, wrong with it. Yeah, there's a lot of pop music. The that most I mindless listen to. Whatever. Yeah. And if it mean, makes you feel there's good. some with that, but you know, like there's some fast food places that I'm going to be honest, I go to and I'm like, this actually wasn't half bad. And like one of those places is Qdoba. I'm like not supposed to say that out loud, you know, <laughs> right. but like, I don't care. I like, if I go to Qdoba, I like go into like this <laughs> trance <laughs> where I'm like, yeah, man, that was real good. And then I like leave there and I'm, I'm happy <laughs> that I went. But like, if I'm yeah, thinking about it not in the moment, though. I feel really, <laughs> Gross. Yeah, you're like, man. <laughs> and so gotta go take the sacrament. Yeah, right. Seriously, <laughs> I need I need a baptism. I need a cleanse. Uh, but like going back with uh, anything outside of like the Judeo Christian like accepted range of good and evil. Uh, I remember when I was a kid. I haven't thought about this for a while, but I was I don't know I was on the internet or something, and there was like an ad for like tarot. I didn't even know what it was, and I clicked on it, and I had, it was either my mom or my mom's friend came over, I was like, oh, we're, we're not supposed to look at that, and like went and exited out, and I had no idea why, and like, it wasn't until years later that like, even playing cards, like, used to be evil, like, just face playing cards, not just like, full-blown writer weight tarot deck, it's like, playing cards um, I remember were evil, like, even in the 50s, 60s, 70s. I'm sure some, like, Mormons There's still some. I had a landlord when I lived in Logan, uh, Logan, Utah, that is, and it's a hyper-Mormon community. Uh, lots of pioneer heritage there. I mean, it's in Utah, for Christ's sakes, but my upstairs neighbors were my landlords, and they invited us over for dinner one time, and they, like, wanted to play a game after they fed us this dinner that was, like, really, like, a bizarre experience. They were, like, those kinds of Mormons that were just, like... When was this? Oh man, this is like 2014. Okay. Um. Anyway, they like would not play with face cards because right. they said that they were sacrilegious. Yeah. So instead, they brought out this fucking um. Oh my god! It was not Mennonites. It was um. Oh shucks! What are the other folks that are like really puritanical? They like ride buggies. In the East, particularly. Not the, Amish. Right? Uh, yeah, the oh, Amish. Okay. Yeah, it's this Amish card game. I'm sorry, I don't know why right. I can't no, recall good. that. Called Dutch Blitz. And it was like hyper complicated. And just like, so they're like trying to teach it to us on the fly. And I'm like, you know what? How about we just sit this out? But we, we participated for like an hour. And I'm going to be honest, by the end of it, I got into it. But I, <laughs> I, so it's like the Amish version of like Charity McDennis. From it's something silly. <laughs> it was like. From It's Always Sunny. Uh, oh, for real. For real. I, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like there's always new rules and yeah. like everyone always breaks them yeah. like um the the point that I was making was like I just didn't even think twice at the time I was Mormon I didn't even think twice about that being like weird although it made me feel weird right well and that's the thing with Mormonism is there's a spec like some cults are a little more harsh against that stuff like Jehovah's Witness you can't read or touch anything that has magic in it oh I didn't where, know that where yeah like I had a growing up I knew 
this girl who uh, was Jehovah's Witness and oh, she couldn't read. Freak. She I'm could, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> she couldn't read uh, Harry Potter like in class right. or anything. I did know that. Um, but in Mormonism, there's a giant spectrum. Right. Uh, like there are some, like I guess the more quote like Jack Mormon you get, like the more you can kind of do whatever the fuck you actually want. Well, and it's like. Or like your household sorry. is extremely strict and, you, you know, sometimes you don't even have a TV in the house. Right. I um, love those. Kinds and I have an of uncle Mormons. like that. I love those kinds of Mormons. It's like, what Man, do you do they for go hard. fun? I, I think they're. <laughs> they're I think uh, they have fun by not having fun. And I it's know, like so like, fun to them. To it. Oh, yeah, man. they're like, in what way today can I deny myself pleasure? the most extreme oh, pleasure? Oh my God. <laughs> what a weird breed. They're like drinking Kool Aid and they're like on their third cup and they're like, oh yeah. They're like, man, I'm so close. I should, I should stop. <laughs> I should. Oh man. I think I'm going to stay up till nine tonight. Literal and physical Kool Aid. For real. For real. I, uh, <laughs> one of the things like with dogmatic procedure like that though i will say is i when i left mormonism uh there was a grace period of just really like flying from the seat of my pants and like my convictions were basically predicated on pleasure Mm. and it was fun kinda but i felt that it had an expiration date and that's like one thing was were you like full-blown hedonist or kind of like, like you I attempted I to go for that. Yeah, I hadn't put it on paper. Right. But like I Were you aware of like what hedonism was at that point? Like, I don't think I'm quite aware of what hedonism is right now. Right. Well, neither am I. Yeah. I, like were you aware that it was like a thing that people identify with? I thought about it more like from a nihilistic approach because oh, I had gotcha. no idea what nihilism was. Right. Like I was just like, yeah, Nietzsche said God is dead, me too. And like <laughs> and like what I meant by that was like I do whatever the fuck i want like yeah for real i was like oh i I don't want to go to work today that's fine like and i just like that if you're living that lifestyle right now i'm not telling you what to do and i'm also not even trying to have a tone that punishes or penalizes you but i just want to make sure that i say this out loud to you that has an expiration date doesn't it and if it doesn't that's kick-ass because i see some people that like make it to like their 60s they've been doing it their whole life and they just they just like do this wild shit, and it's just got no rhyme or reason. They're just fucking constantly blowing around in the wind. And it's like, dude, you've made it this far. That's kick ass. If you're happy, like none of my business. I don't care. Right. But perhaps I'm saying that out loud to myself. And that was yeah. like where occultism really like became valuable to me was because it basically has the implications of like you don't have to do any of this shit, but if you do and you add discipline to it, you will see results really quick. Right. Yeah, that's the thing about it is occultism asks you to participate. And if you don't, you you can, and they call it um, being an armchair magician. Um, you know, you can read about it and think you can conceptually understand it. But if you're not actually doing ritual, whatever that is to you, um, you're just, you're not going to get the full actual benefit from it. Right. The participation yeah. is like, and there's like this really hacky thing that's like taught in like 
a lot of, well, not a lot of Christianity. I know Mormonism teaches it. I know there's a lot of Christians that do think this way, that like faith without works is dead. Mormons love to say that to talk you into doing extra physical well, bullshit. Well, yeah, I was going to say like on that level, um, I mean, there's a lot of good discipline principles in there, but it's also built to literally like extract labor from, totally, from totally. the congregation. It's a, yeah. Like it's, their caveat, it's, like. All other Christianity says, accept Jesus Christ and you're saved. And then right. Mormonism says, accept Jesus Christ if you're saved after all that you've done. Right. So that you have, if you're like a true believing active Mormon, you have that sense of like impending fear. Like, did I do enough? Did I do my all? Like, did I work my finger to the bone to, Dude, until I couldn't anymore? That's and then I can get saved. So it's like the endless treadmill work will make you free. <laughs> For real. It's a hamster wheel. I mean, you know, God. contextually not nearly as bad as uh, what I referenced. But, no, I know what you mean. Uh, I like, and, and that's the thing. Like when I first started exploring occultism, like one thing I wanted to add to that too, perhaps before I even get into that is like speaking of armchair magicians, like, Anybody who like does anything to better themselves spiritually, if they're not harming anyone else oh, or yeah, harming themselves, sure. my hat's off to you. Yeah. Like, I know some people that will be Mormon their whole lives and, yeah. and th oh. my perception of them is that they are going to be happy forever in that dogmatic process. And yeah. you know what? Good for them. Yeah. Like it, Nothing it, wrong if with it makes it. you if happy, you do I, don't, true, I like, genuinely don't care if it's not hurting other people. I mean, if you the truly abide by the principles and you're truly Christ-like, um, and I know, like, some of the best people we both know are active Mormons and right. for the rest of their lives. Right. And, like, it's fine because they're not part of the negative implication and uh, repercussion. Or the, like, societal gentrification yeah. that the Mormon church brings to the world. Yeah. They, like, there try are some to, true gems. Like, the one thing the Mormon church does really well is impregnate Western ideology and culture into like South America and random pockets of Asia. And it's like, yeah. we're going to domesticate you and make you Western. And yeah. we're going to see if it matriculates and we can get others. Yeah. It's like really gross. Like, it's I really didn't even realize that until like maybe within the last like, no, three well, years and it's like erased and decimated like large portions of like hawaiian and oh tongan culture. culture yeah tongan culture just domesticate it it's like when you see the byu football um, team doing the haka yeah it's like oh my god and like the worst <clears throat> part is well this is like so like me not having any business scrutinizing this but i am definitely going to do this do it anyway uh, yeah it's like like byu prides itself on having like tongan players like these big samoan guys that are just like i don't know if that's the same culture so i hope i'm not like mixing that i together. think there's like, differences like, between pardon like, me tongan, the tongan and samoan polynesian what i'm getting Correct at is there's these wrong, pacific islanders right that are large in stature they are, are mormon they could have been mormon for multi-generations that's fine they have the coaches that are also from this part of the world and then they do the haka on the field which is like this tribal ceremonial yeah. dance and it, and it's incredible it, yeah seeing it in person puts uh, hair on your chest yeah. like, like it's it's, uh, it's heavy but like it's so whitewashed yeah and it's like well it's oh my god like it, when you think about it and you like aren't drinking the kool-aid of the west like especially when you're like 
anti-Western, anti-colonial, and you see that going on, and you realize it's like this yeah. really participatory way of like um, stripping someone of their culture. It's so gross, right? It's so gross. And I do think I, I think there's a way to share culture and participate in culture that isn't appropriative in a negative sense, but this like kind of walks the line in a yeah, big for way. Sure. Um, and if they're fine with it, that's fine. Like, right. I, and they are, I'm sure. Right. I like, I genuinely don't care, but I inherently see it and I'm like, what the fuck? Right. Like, that's weird. I think this episode's going to turn into our airing of Mormon. Oh, I think grievances. that's, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't think we're going to live <laughs> in that fine, world forever. Fine. And here's <laughs> again, again, like I'm one of those people that I try to make sure that I like, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. Hate and like, we're trying to speech, say, like, probably 80% of Mormons are, you know, decent people who are just trying to do their best. Yeah. It's the institution um, itself is like, yeah, dude, what the fuck are you doing? It's built. They buy mo- They built a mall here. In Salt yeah. Lake City, they bu- built yeah, a mall. Yeah, they they're, funded it with tithing. They're money. crying all the way to the yeah. bank, and that's not even taxed either. No, and it's dude. like they oh, figured it out. It's so gross. Yeah, that's literally yeah, such a good idea. The thing I will say Bad though, for everybody else though, to get off of them. the Mormon train, but with something that I think is really potent for me is like the number one thing that Mormonism taught me that nothing else has quite taught me as potently. Uh, I don't think anything will ever match. I I don't know that for sure is how to believe in something. Oh, same. When I left taught uh, me how to just believe with my whole heart and not doubt. And when it was like visceral bullshit and I wanted it to be true, it was. Yeah. And that was powerful because later on that planted the seeds, if you will, for me to be able to explore this idea of the worship of my own self. Yeah. Which in and inherently is even more potent and powerful. Yeah, because if you're operating um, at the most optimal level, that puts you in the best place to help other people. Totally. If you know, if you have your own traumas and your own shadow, and you're projecting, you know, that brings everybody else down. And I do it all the time. I'm no, still me working too. hard. I will like it. catch myself. But, I um, I caught myself doing this thing recently where. When I wasn't feeling good, I would like insecure or upset with myself or I felt inadequate. I would go looking for another people and then I would exploit that in them. Yeah. And I would do it in this really conniving way to like showcase it to them. Right. And uh, what I realized, and this isn't excusing that behavior. This is more of an exploration of myself right. was that was my subconscious like begging to me, Hey, can we start to unpack this because we're repeating the same cycle. And instead of going, yeah, I want to explore that in myself. I was like, how about I explore that in other people and consider that? Well, that's healthy. what you do when, when you don't consciously confront it. Yeah. You do it automatically. And oh, that's yeah. where toxic people come from. I've, it, you know, in different periods of my life, been super toxic. Oh, and me you don't mean too. to. I, but I think... it's all rooted in those unresolved traumas and unresolved pain bodies. Well, um, and what I would say as well is like where it's also unresolved is in a lack of awareness. Oh, I yeah. think people aren't inherently yeah. good or inherently bad. No. I think people just inherently are and they tend to choose to be decent. And, it, and I could be wrong. This is something that changes all the time. But at this point in my life, I really do think that like when people aren't aware is when they are the most potently 
emotional about things that they may or may not believe. Right. And that's why it doesn't feel true. Like I I've been like yelled at by somebody before, like yelled at foaming at the mouth, screaming, hollering. And I didn't believe that they felt that way. (laughs) And it was like, you aren't even here right now. Right. You aren't even here right now when you're getting mad at me about that. I just, right. Yeah. It's like they have an out of body experience. Yeah. And they let like, well, have you ever gotten so mad at someone that you were like ready to like blow up and then you oh, didn't yeah. feel like you were there? Have you ever yeah. had that? Oh yeah, that's me it's every like, time I get mad. That's yeah. what's caused me to get into physical altercations. It's like your true I turn self into a different person. Yeah. Yeets away from your body. Yeah. And you just act and behave and it's completely reactive. And I wonder if that's like the actual reptilian brain or something. Yo. Um <laughs> just taking over and reacting. Huh. Um Cause it's at this point, cause what I'm trying to do, Oh God, where did I hear it from? It's not what I'm trying to do now is not react, but respond. Yeah. And that's, I mean, those are two completely different concepts. Yeah. That's, um, uh, that's a mantra that I was repeating to myself in, uh, meditations for oh, like a month. Awesome. I would say like, I would turn on like an, uh, like a frequency, like an F or something like that. Right. Just have a drone playing yeah, in the background, have a tone, and yeah. I would just repeat to myself, "May I respond instead of react?" Yeah. May I respond instead of react? And uh, turns out I'm still a work in progress because I have been reactionary. Yeah. Uh, and, well, and, same. And same. again, that's that's fine. Like part of it's becoming aware. I mean, that's the first step yeah. to changing. I mean, that's like the first step in Alcoholics Anonymous is right. admitting that you're an alcoholic. I mean, yeah. there's like a well, kernel of a truth in that. And that goes to totally. That goes to occultism because uh, when you do stuff like. Uh, like bind and evoke spirits. Your the the most power you have over them is their name, right? But I've been thinking. I've been trying to apply it to like not just like occultism, spirits, woo woo, which it's not true, but it is also true. Right. So I say woo woo lovingly, true. Yes. As in like it's bullshit, but I also believe it. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's my favorite. Uh, but like, so you have to, and that's a, the admittance portion of it. Um, and you apply it to like psychology or whatever. And so like you say the, I am an alcoholic or I have a problem with, you know, letting myself be vulnerable or I have a problem with relationships or, you know, just, just even, just even, even saying that is, uh. I think like 50% well, if, of the solution. If Just you even want to s- give that a name in occultism, that's an incantation. Yeah. You're like yeah. creating a spell. So yeah. like for one of the things that's like really potent for me in occultism and, and like in my spiritual path at this point is like what you say has a lot of pull. Yeah. It means a lot. You're literally creating energy. Sound yeah. sonic energy, you're creating it. It goes out into space. Forever. It never ceases to exist. Yes, forever. It just continues to go. And it bounces what off you say is important, and, and what else. you say to yourself is super important. Like what you think is extremely yeah. important, but what you say out loud is really important. It's like mirror yeah. work is like very difficult for me. I've only done it a handful of times because of how difficult it is. But like, look in the mirror and tell myself things I like about myself, and you just do like or you buy don't. it. I, it's hard. It's hard. I've you, done, you I've, tell yourself you do like or you don't like what you do, what you oh, do, right. and you reaffirm that. Yeah. And and it, it's difficult. It's for me. It is because it it feels like confrontation. 
Yeah, or it's but in like, like a really uncomfortable way. Also, it, I haven't really done much that's mirror work. Interesting. Though. I see when I've done mirror work, it's like I'm like trying to sell a car to myself, and I know that I'm like a slimy like salesman. Oh, yeah, I, like dude. I even saying that out loud about myself is like, oh come on, like don't sell yourself short that way. But I suppose that's part of like the belief system, and that's like where believing in yourself is, is such a powerful tool. And this yeah. is where I mean by like I think that the West domesticated religion is they didn't want you to think about you individually. I'm guessing here, but I think I'm right. I might not be, but I probably am. Uh, that that they, Christianity wants you to take away the self and replace it with the we, and the we be this tool that is for profit with an LLC at the end of it that right. doesn't have doesn't care about you, doesn't care about what you're doing right. to be successful, what's good for you, but is rather what's good for us. And now they're really good at convincing you too, right? And at some level, we. Like the term we referring to the collective conscious, I am very passionate and I want that to become as strong as it can, but that does not change until I change. Yeah. Well, and I've been working on this a lot. Um, I've been known to sort of like be vague and be beat around the bush when it comes to like tough subjects or confronting people, very passive aggressive. And uh, it came the same way with committing to things like committing to hanging out. Huh. or committing to, you know, help someone move, I would word it, and I did this subconsciously in a way where I could, like, weasel my way out of it. Like, oh, yeah, I could probably go. Like, oh, I probably have some time to do that. I'm like, sure. you know, this could probably work out. And it's slowly coming to the realization that me saying that almost destroys that event from even happening. Sure. So it's like weak magic. Yeah, it pretty much is. Yeah, it's the weakest magic. It's like the limpest right. boner. Magic. Yeah, for real. For and, real. Uh, no, I, so I hear like, it. I'm. I mean, I'll even be typing emails and I'll reword them to be more definite Soft. in my purpose. Oh, God. I mean, that's noble and, uh, though. Because have you ever received a hard email, like, and you can't tell the tone on it, but it feels like it's coming in hot? Mm. You haven't gotten emails like that. Uh, in my undergrad, I used to get emails from my professor, my like the one that was like teaching me private lessons, and he would come in so hot. I'd like read this email on my fucking iPhone 4S at like, like 8 o'clock in the morning, or... and it was just mean. And I was like, right. eh, granted, he was a remarkably like rough person. I think that there was good in him somewhere, but he was right. just like Darth Vader. Perhaps he wasn't even like <laughs> fun though. Like he was just mean, just man. an asshole. Yeah, he's yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's a whole nother story. But but the point that I'm getting at is like hot emails. Like, man, I I, I feel the same way with texts. I've like gotten hot texts and been no. like, holy shit, that was strong. <laughs> I don't know. I think I'm like so avoidant and beat around the bushy that like I haven't gotten a text like that for like a good while. Interesting. I used um, to avoid it like the plague. So maybe that's why I haven't seen it. Also, I'm pretty bad at reading, like, textual tone. Like, really bad at that. Interesting. I Um, will... I also just want to make a clarification uh, for people that are listening. I've also been very guilty of sending those hot messages. And so, like, in a karmic perception, that's... Not retribution, but that is the polarity uh, or the duality rather of me sending those hot messages. I'm going to receive those hot messages. Uh, so I suppose I see that as well. <laughs> right. And maybe that's why I can't see him because like I'm, I've been so like vague and like sure. ready to detach. Um, huh. 
to avoid pain or something that maybe I don't see those harsher, more blunt and to the point right. things. I don't know. Could be that way. That's definitely something to explore, I feel. I mean, like, that's another level of that pro- projection. Sure. Uh, I project essentially my own tone on what I'm reading. I, I think we all do that. Yeah. Like, communication Which, is like an interpretation of someone else. Like, you literally change how you interpret things depending on your attitude towards... Oh, 100%. <laughs> the One, medium or... 100%. I can tell you the most shallow thing that I have done recently. Uh, there's this person that I work with. I, I'm trying to keep this vague, but the my first couple of days working there, there was, like, lots of, like... It wasn't like flirty, but it was like work, work flirty, you know, and it was like fine. And then one day they did something that just annoyed the (laughs) shit out of me. And it was like so insignificant. And first of all, they aren't the ones that annoyed me. I became annoyed. Like just even trying to give someone else the responsibility of the way that you feel is so self-serving and childish. But the point that I'm making is after that, I treated them differently. Like I was scrutinizing every decision they made to the point that they were like, you're looking at me in a different way. And I was like, holy shit. Like, yeah, I can't stand you. And it was like a thing that I had to revisit. And I am currently revisiting about like, this is a mantra I've told you about that I'm repeating over and over. And, and just, again, this is something that I do. um, That's brought me a lot of peace is I have these mantras that I will repeat to myself uh, throughout the day. I set aside time to just do it like in a sacred space uh, where I just say an affirmation out loud over and over again as a drone. And the one that I have been saying a lot lately is may I always meet people where they are. And I will do that over and over and over and over and over. And what I mean by that is... I have lived in a world and this is a product of like my own creation so much as it is my own conditioning, but I will foot the bill for this uh, where I have expectations for everybody around me. And like, if they don't meet those expectations, then I scrutinize it or I like deflate it or I uh, stop talking to them or like our friendship is gone. And it's like, I've done the same thing. It's so self-serving. And it's even to the point where like sometimes if I don't get like a reply on like an email or a text, I'm like, what did I do? Oh, what happened? No. And then like, it's like, you, know, you send the react- can't they just be like fucking busy or something for a yeah, while? Or, or, or they just forgot to more, look at their phone or, or moreover, like, can they just not want to respond to it right, and that be okay? Right. And like, can I sit here and be okay? Like if I were to be rejected right now, this is what I'm working on. If I were rejected by this person, I have to learn to still be okay with myself. Right. In my own awareness. Oh, man. Like, you want to. Hey, what if I triggered something and, like, they hate my fucking guts right now? Right. And I don't know why. It's, like, irrational. And. <laughs> like, what if that were to happen? I got. I can't just be depressed about it or upset or. Or what if you're, like, totally valid to feel that way, but it comes right. back to this idea of being aware and accepting it? That's the that's well, something even I've been thinking, yeah. is, like, 
it's less yeah. i for me personally something i'm trying to do less is like i i mean i personally like re- getting rejected sucks for sure in like every facet of the, the the sense like i've i've been at a restaurant before and been like do you have dr pepper they're like we got pepsi products and, and you're it like hurt my feelings oh. like and i'm like golly you're soft God you know damn it yeah but it's like it's <laughs> yeah it's like instead of instead of and this comes back to the yeah. idea of expectation but instead of going like i'm not going to be that person i'm going to toughen the fuck up and like when life comes my way i'm going to say fuck it and just stay tough stay hard yeah. it's like i'm not that person Which, i feel like that that's person. another i feel like that's another form of rejecting the reality anyway 100% like you're still not accepting it you're and just you've met those people you just i mean turn they're on the, the ones, repellent i mean you could make the case and, too like zooming out on this as like a meta analysis you could make the case that like the country that we live in right now is in a state of rejection denial of oh, being rejected yeah. oh, like yeah. the masses do not appreciate condone or approve of well, what's happening been... in this country and when i say that i'm painting with a broad brush cuz there's people that don't agree that think that the the country is in a place that it shouldn't be right everybody right. can agree that there's something wrong right. but they can't agree on what that thing is yeah. right and so they instead try to sublimate what they think it is and convince that now this is a form of magic right like they are like yeah people's perceptions of reality are not lining up and yeah. and neither of them are right the same way right. neither of them are wrong right and this comes back to this idea of the age of aquarius is like we're going to exist on multiple planes of consciousness so like yeah. if you like their truth will be true and our truth will be true right or, and we'll experience and, it as truth and simultaneously both of them are bullshit yeah because like anything that inherently and not, not to get like too metaphysical with it but anything that inherently isn't love or the absence of love is just a really misguided interpretation of yeah. that. It's just degrees in between. Right. Shades and like, that's something that. like, it's so funny to me because I, I mean, I've read every book that I could to try to like figure out, like understand my subconscious, understand my psyche or understand like what the meaning of life is. Right. And then I've like gone to the depths of like trying as many psychedelic drugs as I could. Right. Yeah. And I've like had these like really magnificent psychedelic experiences. And it's so funny because each one of them in their like most central, like core theme says the same thing, which is it's all love. Yeah. It's or all the, one. It's all or the absence therein. Yeah. And it's like, explore what that means. And like, so for me, the meaning of life is to just let it be. And then like, I want to make myself the most potent or attractable magnet of love that I can in every facet. Right. right. And that includes like, it's a good way to think about it. Well, I think that's like the idea of enlightenment, right? Yeah. To some degree, the idea of enlightenment is to become nobody to, to explore this consciousness to the place that you no longer are anything besides loving awareness. And this is something Ram Dass taught a lot, which rest in peace, Ram Dass, but but Ram Dass is still like so very here. Oh, yeah. um, it's like, I never met Ram Dass. Sorry, this is like a, a little anecdote, but I'd never met Ram Dass. Uh, we were alive on the same physical plane. F- right. Uh, at least for the same timeline for some extent, but like I could feel Ram Dass's love when I listened to Ram Dass talk. Yeah. And it, and the, my favorite thing about Ram Dass is I Ram Dass does not expect a fucking thing in return. 
Right. Now that and that's to like me, the secret. That's too. the secret to spirituality. Like, it's um, like if you get, if you meet somebody and they say exactly what you needed to hear right then and there, and at the end of it, there's not a transaction. And and by transaction, I'm not just talking um, monetary. I'm talking like transactionary in like like favors. Yeah, or, or they're holding it over your head, or whatever. like. That is, there's not, there might be truth in that, but that inherently yeah. is meddled. The, as they say, the philosophies right. of men mingled with scripture. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so, and I do believe that, and I think you should. And this is where a paradox is. Right. Um, and I've told, I've said to Matt several times, I think the universe is, operates on paradox. I absolutely, um, I think it does and doesn't simultaneously. Yeah, like, that's exactly. the biggest paradox. Exactly. Is, um, <laughs> So, like, when you do give, whether it's, like, your attention or your love, and it's sincere, um, there's something that does come back to you. I don't know if it comes back in more love or health. Or what if it's more awareness? Monetary, more awareness. Like, my reality just becomes more crisp Greater clean, understanding. Clear. Yeah. My, oh. Like, uh, some people learn by teaching, and I think that's what we're going to do on this podcast. I think most people learn um, by teaching. Like, I think when we yeah. teach, we are reaffirming and validating what it is that we know. Right. That's why, like, there's, like, that really corny saying is, like, to teach is to touch a lifetime. Right. Um, I don't think that's inherently talking about the student. I think that's talking about the teacher when it says to touch a lifetime right. is you all oh, that gives me chills just thinking about it. Cause it's like when I explain something to someone and they want to receive it, I haven't like goaded oh. them or coerced yeah. them, but that channel of communication is open and they get it. It's it's And it feels so good. Like regardless of whatever the information is, it just feels really fluid and I can feel it right now. Oh yeah, like, for oh, sure. Just talking about it. I'm getting like goosebumps oh, for real. Literally. I love getting uh, taught too. That's the other thing. Yeah. It's like being a really good teacher is, is working on being a student. Yeah. And I, there's another analogy in there oh, yeah. somewhere of becoming the best speaker is working on your listening. Oh, for sure. Yeah. For and sure. that like applies to so many things. And like, for a lot of my life, I've been like silent almost to the point of fault but it has allowed me to just observe people and situations and and so do you think you're bringing thoughts. out that person of like being more talkative oh Is yeah that the... oh yeah for sure see a mind's for opposite sure. of that yeah like after my first like really i'm just kidding oh <laughs> i was like bullshit. i was like bullshit <laughs> um <laughs> yeah like after like one time i had eaten like a healthy amount of mushrooms and I was like tripping and uh, I just kept having these thoughts of like, I really want to like become a better person, but it wasn't even like I need to get my shit together. It was more like lovingly yeah. lighthearted. I was like, you're this, like, this sounds good. This mortal coil is like really fun to be in. And I yeah. want to like share my happiness with other people. Like, like how can better. I become a better version of that? And like th the response that I got was like a really nice version of like, shut the fuck up and open up your ears bigger. Yeah. And I was like, deal. And like, it's funny. Cause even right now I'm a better listener than I was perhaps even a month ago. Right. And it's like, I still see so much more room to improve my listening. Cause it's like listening. It's is a skill. Um, especially 100%. since we both have the, I mean, who knows what actually causes it, but we have those ADHD tendencies. Right. So I know for both you and I, it has literally been, a hard like actual hard skill to do to develop um man i've been better now than i've ever been me too but like just sitting and letting someone rant 
before, like, you know, so a few years ago was would just make me cringe and like not not because what they're saying is cringy but i'm like it's too much to pay attention to <laughs> like oh it takes a lot it takes a lot i've been saying that like for me uh listening is and i keep circling the wagons on this but i think it is a core truth is a practice in becoming more aware oh yeah and like and when you become aware, you become, that's like a step towards godliness. Well, like that's what meditation is for me. Meditation for me at its root is a practice in awareness. Yeah. Like working on how to become more aware. It's like, yeah. and, and like with to get really like silly. Yeah, yeah. To get really silly with it. It's like becoming like aware of the world and your surroundings, man. Yeah. Like, you know, you've heard a yogi who like said that and was wearing a grateful dead shirt and you're like, Oh fuck off. But then like <laughs> you think about it and you're like, Oh man. Well, that's where it's like <laughs> silly and bullshit. You're like, totally, God, that is so dumb. Totally. But also, like pretty true uh yeah um and like oh it's still like painful for me yeah in a way because you're like when you're like raised or being being in like the music scene in twin falls and twin falls is this Burley small area. town in idaho that we are both like that's where we met um, and there it was uh there was like a really clicky punk scene there i don't say clicky in like a bad way it's like with music they're, I'm not trying to speak to what people I'm saying who don't is, get it. pardon me. It's no, you're good. I, it's where you're like, oh, that sounds like a poser, and I'm not a poser. Oh so you're God. like, you're trained because we were in that kind of right. vibe. It's a litmus you know, test at, at one point. It's a projection. So like, I've learned to feel that way. So like with the spirituality stuff, it's like, man, that sounds so lame. Oh, sounds oh. like a poser, and then you're like. Oh, but it's kind of true though. Yeah. And or I even if it's not lean into it. Right. Even if it's not, it's like fine. Yeah. Like as oh, long yeah, as it's not sure. hurting anybody or hurting sure. them. I like yeah. that's, that's great. And that's if you like find that validation. acceptance. That's one um, thing. Oh, pardon so me. So I was going to say about listening, um, is I think it's also, it, it's a very magical practice because yeah. when someone's talking, they're projecting energy. When you're listening, you're absorbing energy. Totally. So like I think even if you go beyond like the intellect stuff and uh whatever like on a really low metaphysical energetic level there's some kind of like exchange of energy can't say energy because it sounds posery totally. but like yeah that word has been co-opted it's like I know. it's like a nut hair away from being dead named like you can't use the e word anymore Right, like right. It, so many people are. Because it's like of it. such catch-all, but right. it, I, I still think it's a valid way to well, think of it. It's like but. you can get rid of that word. They're gonna cut. They, we, the collective consciousness is going to come up with another yes. word for it. You're not gonna get rid of the idea. Yeah. You're just well, gonna something else is gonna to come, come up, the and they're gonna call it quantum physics, or they're gonna call it whatever. And quantum physics is already heading that way because right. like a lot of mystics are interpreting the data that physics are uh, physicists are. Well, it's like science, uh, uncovering. Is, science is catching up with the spirituality. Yeah. And, and I know and that like, that's going to make people uncomfortable to think about that. But like, they're like, when you talk about entanglement, you can't think about it in like t- terms of telepathy, even though it's been empirically proven that telepathy is a fact. You have to read real magic by Dean, Dean Radin for a lot of uh, empirical data. But, um, I don't know. Maybe that's just like the archon or the demiurge. Just trying to be like, no, we can't use that word in in that context, right? Because like, 
I I truly think that God originally, like in Jewish Kabbalah or whatever, you know, the roots of Abrahamic religion, I think God did literally mean energy. I think it did, and it just morphed and was reinterpreted and misinterpreted. Right. Uh, I think it's like the... Yeah, I I agree with that. Either energy consciousness awareness. Right. I think that... All of that, to me, is the same thing. Mitch Horowitz was asked one time what he thought God was, and he said, God is I am. Yeah. Like, anytime you say, I am, that is God. Yeah. So it's like... And that's directly from Neville. Or is that? Yeah. Okay, okay. Which is fine because that's like right that's mitch's number one right and right. i don't know i mean that's i'm like, a big neville fan for sure I i'm mean, a huge neville goddard what fan. i like about neville goddard and for those that don't know neville goddard is like i i don't want to give him the moniker of what he is in the new thought community but he's highly revered uh like even in the new thought community no i'm saying he yeah. is oh highly revered in the new thought community oh gotcha and uh like all of uh, not all perhaps, but a majority of roads and new thought lead to Neville Goddard in my experience. Oh yeah. Like, so you'll be oh, hearing yeah. about new thought from one person and then they will bring up Neville Goddard and it comes back to them. It's like the miles Davis of new right. thought <laughs> or yeah. 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 And, uh, the, the point that I'm making though is like Neville's books kick ass because they are really plain to me. They are yeah. like really simple. They're hard for a lot of people who haven't, grown up reading the bible or perhaps older like 20th to 19th century literature it's harder for a lot of people who didn't have access to that kind Interesting. of uh, media the, um, the point that i'm getting at is like neville basically goes here's a concept on how to make things happen in the world the way you want them to honestly here's some testimonials here's my final thoughts on this subject and yeah. then he moves on to another one it's really like yeah. formulaic yeah. for me so it's like i mean yeah, yeah it's like i get through a concept and then i feel like less than understood and then i can go on to the next one yeah. you know or at least i have like a grasp it's highly rereadable every oh, time oh man i go back i've listened to neville goddard's books a handful of times now and every single time even though it's the same like core principle and concept i feel like it's new every single oh, time oh i know and i have no idea how that even happens well i would make the case that that's the subconscious speaking right uh, like because i'm like really really into carl jung and people that know me are like oh no he's about to start but i'm like <laughs> <laughs> really the thing i like about jung and i think that jung and new thought are i cut from the same cloth quite frankly uh is that jung, i do agree Jung's whole idea was that we have this subconscious. We've given it many names, the psyche, the spirit, the, the, the personality, even if you will, right. like, and there are ways to manipulate it, to make it the most authentic version of what you want it to be. And then basically I'm doing a really crude way of explaining Jung, but I think it's practical is like you find symbolic vestiges that are relevant to you things that matter and i'm talking tangible non-tangible events life events people that you yeah. look up to and you use them as symbols and then you use those symbols to measure as like mile markers on your progress it's so cool it's I super truly, cool now this is my opinion and this will get super woo woo poser here we go but um 
I do think that he was probably divinely inspired. I, I think do too. Was, I do too. You know, whatever guides or your higher self is, whatever that is. Right. Um, I don't like giving too harsh of names because I think all, it kind of all encapsulates. Well, the it's same like idea. even ancestors. Yeah, <laughs> ancestors are part of the guides. One hundred percent. You know, who knows if there's alien consciousness part of the guides? I don't Again, know. Yeah. Um. And I've done some channeling. We'll have to get that. Get oh into that yeah. Later. Oh but, yeah. But uh, you know, at some other point. But I think he was in touch with whatever that was, and he was open to receiving and transmitting that kind of information. Well, the thing that started his it. spiritual awakening was he was a psychotherapist in uh, Switzerland, I believe somewhere in Europe. I think so. And he dealt with schizophrenic patients. Or Austria. Can't remember. I, it's probably Austria. He, he dealt with schizophrenic patients and that was like his forte. And then at one point in time, he thought he had schizophrenia that he had developed from working with these patients. And so he went into this state of panic and it was fueled with anxieties and these extreme phases of neurosis. And then when he came out of that state of consciousness, he gave that a name and symbolically called it his spiritual awakening. And, right. and then everything after that is basically Jung's teachings of what reality is. And well, it's just crazy to me. But, uh, sorry, I'm just going to no, get to this good, last thing good. here. Was I went through a neurotic episode myself in at the beginning of October. It was like one of the scariest moments of my life. Like I couldn't ground. Yeah. I was like constantly in well, a fight flight state. Me. I, oh, I remember you're texting like, hey, you. Have you ever gotten super paranoid? Which I have. Sure. Similar states. It was insane. Um, I was genuinely like so scared. And if anyone's feeling this way, I just want you to know, first of all, that you're not alone. And more importantly, that you're loved. And you're probably not crazy. No. Um, no. And, and here's the thing. Even if you are, yeah. like, that is such a colloquial term. I just want to get that out in the air. And, right. I, and We've it's like, discussed you it. are loved and you are needed and you are wanted here. And there yeah. is room for you at the table. And you you, I just, you are so loved in ways that you don't understand. And I just want to make sure that that point is made because the West, one thing, and I know I've scrutinized the West a lot, but we love the term crazy. We call our exes crazy. We call our parents. We don't get along with crazy. We call people that disagree with us crazy. We put them on a shelf and we ignore addressing it instead of just celebrating people who are different from us and have different lived experiences, different mental, like neural pathways. And it just doesn't adhere to the West. Doesn't adhere to us. Doesn't matter. Isn't relevant. We just box it out of society and the karmic retro uh, implications that we create by doing that is how we ended up in this situation that we are oh, in. Yeah, it's a major piece. Um, but yeah, that was Jung. Sorry. No, you're Did good. Did you have anything after that? No, that's, that's, I, I mean. I forgot what I was going to say, uh, oh, which sorry. is fine. I, I just. No, the, you're good. Well, like the, one of the things like, so Jung gets written off in the uh, oh, psychotherapy community a lot. Go, go for it. So I think he did touch these occult truths interpreted in his own way. And I think he knew he was in touch with like the metaphysical or the spiritual. And he knew that he had to interpret it in a way where science at the time would accept it. So yeah. I, I think some of it is somewhat self-censored and somewhat filtered or worded in a way that could be that would be more accepted by academia. Yes, some of it is so um, dense that it... But he like, was a goddamn mystic. Yeah, like, absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Like when Jung says like to explore the consciousness of the world is to find yourself from within like post psychedelics 
I hear that and I go, duh. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. Who like, doesn't think that? There's that old Chinese. I think it's a Chinese <laughs> proverb that says I was young and foolish and I wanted to change the world, but I became old and wise and decided to change myself. <laughs> and I just like think about I that was a lot. Young and foolish. Yes. <laughs> that's so dumb. Golly. <laughs> but. Uh, and it, again, like going back to like woo woo bullshit, which I love and will entertain always. Uh, I used to be the biggest critic of anything astrological and it's like how the turntables, so because now I love astrology. Do I think it's real? Fuck. No, I don't. I mean, yeah. to a degree, well, but I think enough, more than anything, it's, enough people believe it's real that it might as probably well be. And moreover, um, I think it's it's just symbolic projections of our subconscious that we use to put labels on things that we're trying to disseminate and understand. Right. It's like I was telling you earlier, like before we started recording, I've known three Libras in my life that I've been close with. Jordan's one of them. All three of them have one thing painfully in common, <laughs> and that is that they can find information from a book and explain it in a way that can't be paralleled. And so for those of you out there who have loved ones who are Libras or are Libras, I just want to say there is not a person out there that can give a better book recommendation than a Libra. And if a Libra recommends a book to you, I mean, if anybody recommends a book, but if a Libra recommends a book, you should start reading it now. I feel like the books that I recommend they're hard for most people. Fuck yeah. And not in a way where I'm trying to condescend. It's it's this magic, occultism, new thought stuff. Modern magic was miserable for me. I didn't even finish it. Modern um, magic was miserable. I tried to work that system. Oh, really? And it, I just can't do it. I, it's so routine or, and I'm, like ritual oriented. And I just like, I yeah, would much I rather it, like, make right my, I would oh yeah. yeah. I would much well, rather make my own. And even when I was trying to adhere to the strict practices, and for those who don't know what Modern Magic is by Donald Michael Craig, um, he basically capitulates all of a big portion of the Golden Dawn ritual, uh, throws in a little bit of like the Lemic and like Chaos Magic stuff, but it's a top to bottom working magical system kind of based on the Golden Dawn tradition. And by Golden Dawn, we're talking about a magic system that was created within like a fraternal society yeah. in England out of Freemasonry. Yeah. Out of Freemasonry. Um, yeah. To sum it up real quick. Sorry. I just I, no, no, sure no, you're good. No, that. you're good. It's just it, golden Dawn is it's its own beast. To oh talk my about. God. But, God. um, so it has these rituals and practices and they are rigorous. You got to do them like night and day. You got to memorize yeah. them. You got to put on a robe, right? You got to cr- literally create and consecrate your own magical tools. And I got partially through it and I was like, I, I really don't. And I don't know if it's because we're in this age of Aquarius and we have so much information and our, our attention is so limited compared to a hundred to 150 years ago. But I cannot devote my time and energy to it and do all the other things that I'm wanting to do. Right. It's l- And when I stepped Sorry. out of it, when I stopped doing modern magic and went back to my chaos magic stuff. So I did some Golden Dawn ritual stuff, but also sigils, uh, you know, certain deity worship um, invocation and all that. I got way better results than trying to be strict 
ritual Me. magician who does it by the literal book. Me too. Um, I mean, I literally bought like a rope. Like I have a rope for Fuck it. Yeah, in my I closet. I've. I mean, I've. <laughs> I've done. The and sometimes I'll put it on, like for yeah. for a big ritual. That, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna look fucking stupid. And now that comes back to like symbolism. Like, <laughs> if you find edification from that, like if yeah. that gives you strength or power, or, or like even if it like puts you into a headspace that like feels provocative, and you're yeah. gonna use that energy, that's fucking yeah. badass. Well, and this Fuck is yeah, what do it that. does. Like it does look silly, especially to a layman. <laughs> oh my um, god! Like I walked out, and my partner. Like, I'm in my robe. She, she knows I'm in my robe, and she just, like, laughs at me. But I laugh, too, because I know it's hilarious. Like, I right. know it's ridiculous, and I feel ridiculous. But when you go into your ritual space that you have prepared, and you're in your robe, your subconscious knows that there's a division. Like, hey, this is serious. Exactly. I'm paying attention. It's just like getting dressed uh, for a job interview. Yeah. Like it's, a, you're yeah, creating that wedding. same kind of magic. Yeah, yeah. It's it's ceremonial. It's like, this is special. This occasion is set aside... And we are literally like gonna attempt to program reality to do whatever the fuck we want. Exactly. Um, I was gonna say <laughs> with like occultism in and of itself, like people, I mean, like still practicing members of the OTO and right. like, and that's great. And like even, yeah. even Freemasonry and yeah. like it, these people that do these really like routine oriented ritual, like structured forms of, of magic that's kick-ass and i love pieces of yeah. that for myself but like and it's very potent the way that i look at it is like you're given a set of legos and you're given an instruction manual you can use the instruction manual and you're going to get the final result if you follow all the steps this could be kick-ass you can also open source do whatever the fuck you want with the legos and make whatever you want now it's yeah. like that that's it comes with like the uncertainty of what your finished project product is. For yeah. me, I thrive in that environment. You can also use pieces of the manual and not the whole thing. Yeah. Like that's how I really observe well, magic. And that's how traditionally before, because before, um, I believe my history on this could be a little wonky, but I believe that original Freemasonry was a lot more esoteric and magic oriented than what it became today. Um, and that was their attempt to like imperialize and discipline magic, I think. Um, and you know, there was good and bad. There's good and bad Freemasonry. Uh, I've reached, I've looked a lot into it. I don't think there's like a huge overarching like conspiracy with Freemasonry. I think right. some people might be involved, but it's not totally. Freemasonry itself. Right. Um, but what they did was, and Gordon White talked about it on Rune Soup, is they tried to be like. I'm going to take my Freemason, Kabbalah, correspondence learning male brain, and now I've made the system, and now I've certified that this system is more legitimate than, like, you know, like your low magic, eclectic witchcraft or whatever. Right. Um, And if you believe that, it is. Oh, for sure. That's the other thing. That's like what's so... But what I'm saying is, like... You can get as good of results as them, or probably better, if you just look at Esoterica and you take the pieces that you just resonate with you and take feel like good. Pe- yeah, yeah, and take pieces of your like 
childhood yeah. culture that are valuable. Yeah. Like I have pieces of my childhood culture that are super valuable. Before we did this podcast, we did a Nichiren Buddhist chant, which is like a piece of like my yeah. family culture. And it, it was like really, that was like really powerful and which important is awesome. for me. Um, I've never done that. He shared the chant with me and Mitch Horowitz has talked about it and I've done it kind of on my own, but I've never done it with another person. When you do it with another person, it changes it. And it was like, I could feel like it was like clean slate energy cleared. Like yeah. it was, it was a banishment At all, yes, of all 100%, energies. 100%. In it's a, like in and of itself. Yeah. Like, uh, it was powerful. Oh like, yeah, you like for those that aren't familiar with with this what we're talking about or the idea of it, you basically repeat over and over again on the throne this Japanese mantra, if you will, that it basically means I am the direct response of my cause and effect, and it, in Japanese it's namyo renge kyo, and you just say this over and over. We did it for fifteen minutes over yeah. and over and over again. And it was like, by the end of it, you just feel, I can't explain how I feel when I'm done with meditation the same way I can. It's like, it, it, to me, it felt like after like a good run that like felt sure. good, like a good jog or something or physical activity. Well, like Eckhart, it was like, ah, oh. Eckhart Tolle says like, you don't listen to a song to get to the end of it. Right. That's something I've been yeah. really working on with my meditation is I'm not meditating to get to the end of the meditation. I'm meditating to work on getting to right here. Yeah. Like out of all the places, and I places I could be, I want to be had right a hard here. Time with that. Like oh, the lust me of, too. Lust of results, and you like, you want your shit done. Yep. Yeah, fuck yeah. But well, like, it, it's really learning to. Um, that's the part of the acceptance I think that we were talking about earlier. Uh, it's it's learning to just it's learning to enjoy the moment and it's yeah. so hard oh, yeah. for most i feel like for a lot of people at least raised in like an american culture for everyone it's hard that's um, why all of these teachings are presented to us as ways to become more present right you know nobody nobody inherently comes into this mortal coil into this existence with perfect awareness right Right. Like we have these vestiges of like the Christ and things like that, that are supposed to be like enlightened beings that are present right here, right now. Right. But like for me, the layman's approach to this is like working on ways to become more present. It's like uh, Ram Dass's book is called be here now. And it's like a whole book on how to become more present. And I remember I bought the book and I got home and I read it and then I was like, okay, I'm here. (laughs) <laughs> now now Done. now what now check, what check, yeah check i box. was like i was like i don't get it like i'm here but like what do right. i do with that and it's like that's exactly what you do with it <laughs> yeah. so my only problem um i read the power of now uh by Eckhart Tolle. sure and there are good nuggets in it for sure and i maybe it could be a projection so okay i'm ready for it here i'm ready for it it felt like he demonized thoughts as like the number one right the number one cause of suffering and maybe in like a weird meta way he is hinduism kind of does it too but does that mean like stop thinking (laughs) well like that's that's like kind of my hang up with this is where like the so like i have a hard time this is the fork in the road for me with like western occultism and hinduism buddhism right is the fork in the road goes like hinduism buddhism become nothing find nothing occultism says become the most authentic version of you and conquer the fucking world with it. Yeah. You know, and, and I hate to even make it sound so like empirical in that regard. Yeah. Right. 
Right. And, but I was raised in a Western culture where it's like, I can't help but entertain the idea of continuing to be me at least a little bit. Oh yeah. And we've talked about this. So, it's like this hard for me to let go of that. Um, it's like some people, I don't know. In a lot of spiritual cultures, they talk about becoming one with everything or like transcending this life and re-merging with God. And to me, I'm like, well, don't you want to like enjoy the ride a little bit? Like, I think I can be aware of those concepts, but like, I want to like achieve and have pleasure in this life, like as Jordan. Right. So um, this is something I've thought about before with like eternity, like, like in the space where time and space stop and it, you just are. And that's where I think God resides at least in part. So like you arrive at this place where time isn't a thing, space isn't a thing. It's just love. Right. And that's like this idea of God. Um, if I'm trying to get to that place and I feel love now that I'm there right now, as much as I will be when I am there, when I am God, if you will. Yes. Right. Yeah. And so when it's you're like, like, Oh yeah, I made all this shit so, up. Right. Like, so it's like, why can't amusement. I, right. It's like, <laughs> why can't I stop and enjoy this? Yeah. You know? And that's part of like, that's, that's like how I feel about synchronicities. Synchronicities is this term that Jung used to describe like extreme coincidences. Like when we have these extreme coincidences and we see them in life and I've had so many, especially recently, and I remember I had one recently that was so potent and I was like, I, it freaked me out. And I heard this really cool thing. Somebody had asked as a, this spiritual influencer that I'm a fan of, what do you do with synchronicities? And I was like, okay, I'm ready to hear this. And the influencer just said, I think of them like flowers on a neighbor's lawn. Like That's I, how I love think about to it. look at them and they're super cool, but I'm not going to pull them out of the ground and I'm not going to think about how they got there. Well, I'm just going to appreciate it. I've gotten them. into, cause like I've had varying stages of enlightenment throughout my life where I've kind of like remember, okay, like I'm part of the whole, I can influence the whole, like with my thoughts and my beliefs and my right. attitude. But then I get sucked back down into reality with, you know, politics or Trump sure. or coronavirus. I'm like, I go up and down. When I usually go back up, I see a lot of synchronicities, tons. Me, Especially yeah, the, me the more I put into my magical practice, the more synchronicities I see. Yes. And, like, I've tried to overthink, like, what does this mean? What do I do with this? Like, does this even mean I'm on the right track? Because a lot of people say, when I see synchronicities, it means I'm on the right track. And I'm like, sometimes I, I don't even know if it even means that. I don't think the right track is real, personally, right. but... Because if you are God, like Neville says, right. I am, then you're always on the right track. Exactly. Even if you're on the wrong track, you're on the right track. Exactly. And it has um, more to do with like finding love and yeah. being present. So I'm wondering if it's, maybe it's moments where you experience timelessness. Right. Um, same with like deja vu or something. Right. You, you experience like the past, present, and future essentially in one moment somehow. Right. Um, I, I think synchronicities might be related to whatever that phenomenon is. Totally. I think um, of like with like synchronicities and as well as like enlightenment, I was, right. I've said this before that I think enlightenment is intonation more than anything. Yeah. And like, so like enlightenment is you're like, you've got the tuner trying to get to the FM station and you've hit it. You know, 99.9, .9, and you hear it crystal clear, okay? And then the further away you get from the station, yeah. the more static you get. 
and it's like you're still going wherever it is that you're going but you're losing the source so you keep tuning it yeah to try to find that and there's going to be times where there's like more static than there is clarity or there's times that you have to change the station right and that's probably what was happening to me you know when i like feel more whole and more in control of my life on a metaphysical level and then I look at the news and look at the facts around me and then I go back down that's kind of that same flow right well I've said before like for me with like the world as I perceive it it's always going to be negative because it's basically taunting me to be positive Right, yeah, it's like, like in the a world, world of like, negativity, yeah, positivity is like the true rebellion. Yeah, which is like so corny, but like, um, the thing is, like, for everybody listening, <laughs> the news is always going to be shitty. I don't know if you have celebrated and accepted this yet. <laughs> the news is always going to be shitty. It's a for-profit driven business, so it's going to yeah. tap into your emotions. The emotion that's the most vulnerable and exploitable is fear. Okay, yeah. so it's fear going to anger. continue. Yeah, so it's going to continue to churn and the, this. It taps into the reptilian brain, which just causes you to be reactionary, right. not respond. Right, and um, this is on all a, of it on this a metaphysical level. It. it zaps you of your energy, or yes, your life force, it's or whatever, whatever that exploiting that you. is. And the thing um, is, like, you can look at it in multiple ways but the way that i choose to celebrate it is like i just see the news and i go all right well this is the news i'm letting it flow through me and i understand it yeah or i just find it really funny all of it like it's all bullshit oh yeah and that's like the cosmic joke nihilism ish i don't know i think there's a huge room for positive nihilism well i think uh, in like even occultism what i love about nihilism uh, is how similar it is to buddhism right because it's like with nihilism it's like nothing matters right and it's like that's scary when you grow up in the west because everything is supposed to matter so it's like yeah in the west the way the analogy that i've always perceived it as is you have a white white canvas and you have a black brush and you have to be careful with what you're painting because you can get rid of all of the white which is the light which is the goodness right but in nihilism the idea is there's nothing good. There's nothing real. There's nothing, nothing, right? And so right. the canvas is black. Nothing inher- inherently matters. Right. And so the canvas is black and you have the white brush. And it's like anything that you have. So like, let's say that the world doesn't mean anything. The world doesn't mean a fucking thing. And you're like, well, what am I going to do about it? You have felt things that have meant something. That means you created that shit. Yeah. And that there is majesty in that. That yeah. to me is something that like reinvigorates my belief in myself. It makes me realize I can do difficult things, yeah. especially when I'm low. I'm yeah. like, I created this world that I live in, like with my decisions and my behaviors and my actions and my thoughts yeah. in tandem. I have made this dance, and yeah. there's something well, really special. I don't about know. I, personally, and I've worked through a lot of this because, like, I've spent years thinking about like nihilism. Um, whether I knew I was or not. Sure. And for me, I think the most beautiful thing is that there's no inherent meaning in anything because it gives you the opportunity yes. to do whatever you want with it. Yes. And it puts the control kind of back in your hands. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and it's hard because when you lose an authority figure or an institution a that vacuum. tells you the meaning, there's the vacuum. And then you get sucked into like, well, if that didn't have meaning nothing has meaning that's what i ran into but, that, that hedonist right. state if you will but part of resolving that trauma is and rebuilding yourself 
and your own identity. Right. Is realizing like, you know what? I can find meaning in family. You know, I can find meaning in playing my instrument and seeing how it makes me feel. Yes. Like that, that's pretty good. And you decided Um, what that means, you know, like, you know, there's, is there meaning to you that like your cat comes up to you and like snuggles you? Like absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. Does it actually mean anything? So, and I think like even inherently it doesn't mean anything. Like it's totally. only it's only the experience of it that's like true or what matters. Totally. I've wondered um, before if my cats love me. I've yeah. I've like I've looked at my cats before and been like, do you love me or do you wait around for me to feed you? And then once you're fed and satiated, you're like good until you're fed again and you're using like that as a tactic to manipulate right. me. Okay, I think that's one level of consciousness for them. But then there's other times like not to get like too real with it, but just to be <laughs> honest, like um, when my dad passed away, like I got the call and I remember like it didn't feel like a breakup, but it just felt like there was a piece of the world that had gone to a, that of my world that wasn't here in this place that I could perceive the same way. And it wasn't less or more. It was just different. And it was so much. And I remember like, there's so many people that say things like, and then my cats were there for me. My animals were there for me. That wasn't the case for me. My cats just fucking sat there in that room with me. (laughs) They just sat in that room with me. And that's exactly what I needed. I needed something normal. Like my cats just sat there and like, literally like they just looked at me like, I know like, and it was so real. It was so real to me. And I was just, and that was love to me. That was love to me because like, so do I think that my cats love me? Fuck yeah, I do. I've, I've witnessed it. I've witnessed it in one of the like hardest moments of my life. They sat there and were real. Yeah. And like, there's just something. That's a weird thing. It's like after some kind of traumatic, traumatic or like, you know, event that causes grieving. Sure there's comfort in that like routine. Yes. You know, something that like you expect to be there that you know is going to be there and it's there for you. Yeah. Whether it's like, I don't know, like a work, your workout routine where it's like your cats, right. Like continuing to not give a fuck. Right. <laughs> well, I've, I've even said before, this is, I, I would like, really, there's some comfort in it. I would really like uh, this to be the last thing I say about my cats because I don't want to be that person. I don't but, think you're going to stop talking about your uh, cats. I just love them. I really over, do. Over the course of this podcast. Yeah, for real. Um, and I wouldn't want you to. Yeah, fair enough. Me either. But the, yeah. the thing I will say is uh, there are mornings where they like know the dance and they know it's time to be fed. Like their biological clock is ticking and they are just like screaming for it. And it drives me nuts. Like I will get so aggravated and then I will be feeding them. And I've said out loud to the both of them before. And I've been like, you know, it's nice to be needed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I guess that that might be like a part yeah. of it, you know? Or like, there's a do- like if you have dogs and like you're a lazy piece of shit, you know at least your dogs. Hopefully, if you're a responsible dog parent, your dogs are making you take them out on a walk, even like a quick one to go shit. Right. Like, I don't know. I, there's good, something to it. Yeah. There's something to it. <laughs> I don't it. know where I'm going with that. No, I feel you. I I've like and, wondered about domestication of animals for our pleasure so yeah. much, and like. <laughs> there's like a certain aspect to it that I like, like dog culture makes me really uncomfortable in a lot of ways. At the same time, I like get it. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, one thing I, 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 we're like getting towards the end here, I think, but, um, 
can you believe we've gone an hour and 25 minutes? No, because we can go forever. Yeah, for real. This this is just the warm up, by the way. Yeah, like when, once we get comfortable, like real comfortable doing this, it's going to be like a nonstop. It probably took me about twenty faucet. minutes before I felt like I wasn't a seventh grader at a dance touching oh, your yeah. hip for the first time. By the way, warm hips, right. warm birth and hips. Those are nice. But mm. <laughs> mm. no, uh, the point that I'm driving home though is like um, fake magic. Like uh-huh. this for me personally doesn't have to have any purpose for you or the same way it doesn't have to have any purpose for me. But the thing that I would challenge you to perhaps explore is this thing that was jet fuel for me on belief. And that was, I, for two months wrote down every day things that I wanted to manifest. And I wrote them in the present tense and not to be too specific, but it was something as simple as like, I have this thing or I am getting this promotion or I am being bequeathed with money being very specific. Now, one of the things that I added to my practice every day, I would do this. I would look at it. I would say it out loud. I'd say it to myself in the shower. I would say it to myself in private. I would say it before I went to bed. I'd say it when I woke up. But the thing that I added was something that I could like tangibly like know in my present moment, like, also, my name is blank. Yeah. And I put that in with my manifestations. And powerful. So like when I say my name is Matthew, when I say that, I believe it. I've been telling myself that my whole life. People I love and care about me have been telling me that my whole life. I believe that with my whole heart. Okay. And so then it's training your subconscious to believe those other things on that same level. Yeah. So if you have a couple of things right now that you're trying to explore and you want to bring to fruition, Write them down in the present tense and then add something that you know is irrevocably true and make them all true. So, and then I have a few things to add to it. So that technique where you bring something that you already know and believe is true. Um, Rune Soup author Gordon White coined it as a robofish. If you have more questions about that google gordon white or rune soup and robofish such a good resource um such a good i would highly highly suggest that but when you do this um if you've never done kind of new thought or new agey stuff like uh affirmations or whatever um don't you have to keep it aim high aim as high as you could possibly believe and stay right on that edge of where you might not be able to believe it, but you might be able to believe it. If you go higher than that, you're going to have a backfire effect and your subconscious is going to be like, I don't believe that. That, that can't happen. Because uh, your, your belief hasn't been trained up. When you get more successes with those methods, you, you can start climbing the mountain, um, doing bigger, you know, right now and i won't be specific about it but i'm I'm making the most amount of money i've ever made in my life and it's an amount that i two to even five years never thought it, it would be possible but i've been doing daily affirmations for over half a decade and it slowly brought me to this point where 10 years ago if i never got into these practices i would have been like if I was lucky, like lower middle class level in income earner. Not that money's 
you know, the only thing to do with this stuff. It's just one of my personal experiences with it. I love it. I think, yeah, I just, this is such a fun way to end this because I think I, when I say, I believe what I mean is I have accepted that I want this to be my truest version of reality and therefore it is. And that is that when you do these practices, when you, and I'm just going to come out and say it, when you jump through these hoops, but you do it with the intention of bringing these things to life, it happens in ways that I oh. can't explain. Like I would not live in Salt Lake City right now had it not been for these deliberate manifestation techniques that I practiced and practiced and practiced yeah. and practiced. I wouldn't be in my vocation. I wouldn't be at the level of schooling oh, that I'm I, at. I would go to say I wouldn't be as happy as I am right now. Right. Because that's something, and I mean, this is a whole other topic, but the way that these practices have improved my mental health, I cannot explain. For somebody who has searched for answers for why I have never felt whole, doing this thing did not make me feel whole, but it opened me up to wondering how I could explore making myself whole. And that I think it, there's there's majesty in that. Yeah. One, and this is another thing along those same lines is when you do it, um, you know, like put good effort into it. Like, don't write it off until you've done it for like at least a month or something. Right. Because um, there's a lot of skeptics. I would make the case: don't stop doing it until you achieve it. Oh, because well, yeah. I'm telling I mean, you right now, you can do it. Oh, it'll work. And when we were talking about making the goals works. attainable, like <laughs> like. I would I would make the case of making those goals attainable for now so that you see results. Yeah. Because if you want to manifest that you are a millionaire that has a yacht and you invite all of these people on it and you throw parties, if that's how you want your life to be, you can get there. You can. You can 100% yep. get there. But it starts with your these own. small steps. Yeah. It's and and like it could be something as simple as I am going to make my bed or I May I am making my bed today. Yeah. That's how you get this shit going. I regularly going. make my bed. This is how you get this shit going is like a celebration of what you want to be written down as an incantation, saying it out loud and believing that you are that person and then becoming that person. That's what you're doing. And we've said before, Jordan said this to me and I just can't shake it is magic. Spirituality is reality manipulation. That is what you're doing is manipulating reality to have the best outcomes, the most honest and authentic outcomes to what you want. Um, I think the best, even more than the stuff, honestly, because it's the stuff that gets like the Western mind kind of trying this, which is fine. Yes. Nothing wrong with it. Totally. It's sacred. But what for me, like one of the most, one of the biggest things that I've ever gotten from these practices is regaining a sense of control of my own life Yeah, where, you know, if you feel like you've been like tossed on the waves of life for, you know, maybe your whole life or part of your life, maybe it was good for a while. And then you ran into several years, bad luck. I don't know. Um, gaining that sense of control is just, it's, it's a good, it's a good feeling to have. And it lowers your bro- your blood pressure <laughs> uh, a lot. I don't Close think I can say it better myself. Are we done? I think we're done. All right. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, for the future listeners, for the current listeners, for wherever this uh, arrives to you, just I want to reiterate f- for myself, and I'm saying this out loud for myself too, but you are loved and needed, and we are remarkably thankful for you. 
We love you. We love you. All right. Uh, till next time. Take that.